Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. My name is Cosmos Dar, and this is Extraordinary America. What is Extraordinary America? Well, you see, America has always been about freedom, opportunity, and the pursuit of happiness. However, most Americans are not free when it comes to the financial front. Most Americans are suffering from financial slavery due to loss of jobs, stagnant wages, inflation, and debt. Wealth and income inequality is the norm now, and the middle class has all but disappeared. So Extraordinary America is about the abolition of financial slavery. It is about the financial freedom of the 99%. It is about the nation of immigrants and the descendant of immigrants restoring the extraordinary within themselves and setting themselves free. The path to financial freedom is through financialist education. It is through becoming entrepreneurs and investors on the light side. In this podcast, I interview fellow Americans who fought against the odds. Many of them came from humble beginnings to see how they did it. It is my hope through these interviews that the extraordinary within you shall awaken and that you will abolish financial slavery from your life and realize the American dream. Once again, welcome to Extraordinary America. Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. Welcome back to the show. For today's guest, we have Michael Markowitz. Michael Markowitz has over 35 years of experience in providing financial guidance to entertainment professionals, family offices, small businesses, and C-level executives. Michael Markowitz is also the founder and owner of Markowitz Enterprises LLC, which is a New York-based financial services company specializing in CPA services, consulting services, and asset protection. He's also a very successful investor who specializes in live shows and film projects and is also a speaker and he's also very involved in many philanthropic endeavors. Finally, Michael has been featured on Forbes, Four Traders, Accounting Today, Market Watch, PR Newswire, The Wall Street Journal, IMDb, and Investment News. I chose Michael to be a guest on the show because he embodies the pioneering and entrepreneurial spirit that is necessary to create an extraordinary America. And I'm glad to have him on the show. Michael, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Michael, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. For having me. I'm honored to be here. So, Michael, I know that you are a really successful entrepreneur, investor, and speaker. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background, yourself, and how you got started? Well, do you want to start from my birth or do you want to start? <laughs> what do you want to start? Wow. Whatever, 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 whatever you want. Uh, well, I, I grew up in the Boston area, the son of immigrants. And I, uh, I was imbued with this whole sense of professionalism and entrepreneurship and taking care of yourself. And so I attended a pretty elite undergraduate school and then graduate school in the Boston area which is where I got my degrees and my training and background in uh, becoming a CPA. Uh, I started my career out in Boston with one of the big four firms, Deloitte, and uh, went on from there to work with a number of uh, smaller and mid-sized firms, both in Boston, Northern New England, New Hampshire and Vermont, and then New York, and have been doing this for, as you said, more than 35 at, at this point, it's more than 40 years. Um, and, um, you know, so I've, so I, I've kind of carved out my niche in terms of what it is I do and how I do it. 
And uh, I, as you mentioned, I do a lot of work with people in the entertainment industry. And that came about uh, from having worked with a business management firm here in New York for several years before it kind of struck out on my own. Wow, that's that's awesome. Like, I really like the part that you're the son of immigrants. And like, there's, it's like the American identity is based on the immigrant energy, right? That's where the entrepreneurial and the innovative spirit like comes from altogether. So Michael, what was the overall arching goal and vision you had when it came to your career? Like, how did it shape up over this t- period of 35 to 40 years? Well, it is, it is constantly evolving even to this day. Okay, so... What I did before, I may not be doing today. What I'm doing today may not be what I'm doing tomorrow. However, uh, I will say there's one, as you, as the question I believe you asked is what is the overarching uh, premise of all of this? The overarching premise is that I love to work with creative people. I love to work with entrepreneurs. I myself am an entrepreneur. So, um, I, you know, I think that right there, there's a, you know, there, there, there's something that I believe comes together to symbiosis of, um, of values and of ideals and of, um, you know, uh, morals, if you will, where we come together and we're, we're of similar nature. And I think that helps me to understand my clients better, them to understand me better and want to work with me so that I can help them. I see. So Michael, a lot of, a lot of people, when they're starting off, they have like a fear of failure and they, and they usually don't end up succeeding in what they do. However, you succeeded. What was the, what is the motivating factor that helped you push through all the adversities, uh, like when you were starting off? Well, I will tell you again, let, let, let's take this one piece at a time in terms of the fear of failure. I certainly had that. I certainly still do periodically of that fear of failure is like, oh my, what, what if I screw this one up? Or what if I screw that one up? And, you know, am I good enough to be able to handle this? And I always go back to um, a quote from Richard Branson, who said that, you know, if someone asks you to do something, you don't know how to do it, say yes. And even if you don't know how to do it now, figure it out and then make it happen. So I often get asked, by either a prospective client or an existing client um, to, to do something or to answer the question. And my response is always that I may not always know all the answers, but I know how to figure it out and I know how to get those answers. So let me do a little research or a lot of research in some cases, and I will become an expert as the case may be. And I will be able to resolve your issues and work with you and make things happen in the way that you want them to happen. Uh, obviously all within the law and, and uh, all about board, but um, I don't, I, you know, fear of failure is a, is a constant, uh, but at the same, and you know, I may not get a reply that comes to me uh, when I say, well, I haven't done this before, but I'll figure it out. But I think for the most part, most of my clients have uh, agreed with me. And said, yeah, you know, I like that. I like that style. I like the kind of guy that's going to go do the research and make it happen. So that's what I do. Okay. What is the, what is the biggest lesson ended of learning over these 35 to 40 years that you have been doing entrepreneurship, investing, speaking, and all of that? Like, what was the main 
lessons that you that you ended up learning? Well, one of the biggest ones is uh, do whatever it is that you can to get out of your comfort zone, because the comfort zone is where most people are comfortable. Clearly, I mean that that's where where the word comfort comes from. But as long as people stay in their comfort zone, they're never going to progress. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that I've had mentors and coaches, and I still have them, that push me in a way that gets me out of my comfort zone to do things that I've never done before and uh, to run things, to be a leader, to be, uh, to educate people and to train people. But uh, I think that the comfort zone issue is something that I think people should not stay in because there's no way to advance if you're staying in your comfort zone. So get out of your comfort zone. You know, do something every day, whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life that you've never done before. And I know it's, it, it seems really easy to say, but like for most people, right? Like about 90% of people, it's so hard to do, to get out of the comfort zone, to keep pushing the boundaries again and again. It's always that, that feeling of discomfort that deter that differentiates these entrepreneurs from people that don't uh, do entrepreneurship. Right. Well, I think the key is... Make sure that you have one or more mentors and or one or more coaches, because those are the people that you need in your life to get you out of your comfort zone. I know that if I were doing this all on my own, there was no way that I would get out of my comfort zone because it's a very comfortable place to be. But because I have these incredible mentors and coaches that I've worked with over the years and have a few of them now, they're the ones that push me. They're the ones that say to me, hey, Michael, go do that interview. Go do that podcast. Go run this group. Go, you know, do something that you haven't done, that you're not comfortable doing, but make it happen. And one of the things that I have found is that as I have responded to those kinds of, um, you know, pushes that I've gotten is that, you know, I'm not bad at this. I can do these things. And it has opened up a whole world to me in ways that I never thought possible before. So get, get your mentors, get your coaches, get the, your advisors and the people that are going to, you know, get you out of your comfort zone or and encourage you to be out of your comfort zone. So basically mentorship combined with getting out of the comfort zone and being, and having the drive to be the expert at your field. These are the teams that I'm starting to see. Yes, exactly. I totally, yeah, you, you get the nail on the head with all three of those. Well, no, it is you that hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just trying to get the teams, right? Because we need to know what it is that differentiates successful people from the non-successful people because we'll have to adapt that to in order to be successful. But Michael, what was one of the biggest challenges you had to face during your time being an entrepreneur and a speaker and an investor? And how did you overcome it? Well, fear of financial ruin. That's a big one. It's, it's huge. I mean, I, I think that I know that I can tell you that I have gone through many phases in my career and in my life where I thought, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm not going to make it. What's going to happen to me? I'm not going to have the money that I thought I was going to have, not only to do the things that I want to do for myself, but, but also, you know, I, I try to be as philanthropic as I can possibly be, but I want to help other people. And so that requires financial resources. financial resources. And, 
you know, I would always like to do more. I'd always like to contribute more. I'd always like to make more. And, and um, I've always had this fear throughout my life that, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not successful enough to generate the kind of financial resources that I would like and, and want in order to achieve those goals. So um, I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but I think that, you know, the fear of, of failing financially, uh, if, if you're an entrepreneur, but even if you're not an entrepreneur, let's say you're a W-2 employee, there's always the risk of getting fired or getting let go, okay? Sure. And our economy uh, is such that, you know, large companies that employ people, it's not the same as it was when I was growing up where, you know, people, or not even, even before I was growing up, where people got a job, they stayed at that job, for their entire lives, they retired with the pension and the gold watch. That world is gone. I mean, it's been gone for a long time. And I think that now, unless you have, at least from my perspective, some entrepreneurial spirit where you're, you're making sure that you're the one that's responsible for your success and your financial well-being, you're the only one that's responsible for that, is the mindset that I have that has propelled me forward. I see. So yeah, uh, most people, they have a fear of financial ruin. But I think what you're saying is that, I mean, right now, we don't have job security at all. We live in a new world. It's no longer the world that was like 60 years ago or 50 years ago where you had the safe job that you could get and the companies would take care of you, you know? I totally agree. It's a, it's a different world now. Yeah. I mean, my father, you know, being an immigrant and a Holocaust survivor, you know, he came to this country, my parents came to this country, and he went to work in a factory and worked in a factory for the rest of his working life until he retired. And um, I looked at him and I think, you know, he, we always had a roof over our heads and we had food to eat and clean clothes and all of that. I never knew any, that there was anything more, you know, <laughs> because that's what I grew up with. And um, I realized... Uh, at some point, I can't tell you exactly when in my professional life that I didn't want to be dependent on someone else telling me what my, my, you know, projected career and financial life was going to be. No, totally. I mean, it's that, it's that, it's what allows us to be financially free. We have to have that spirit. Yeah. So, so Michael, what is one thing you wish you had known before you started your career and what would advice would you give somebody? that's just starting off and wants to pursue the field and doesn't know how to get started or has the fear of failure and all of that? Uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Do you even want one piece of advice? Is yeah, that... what, what, what is one thing you wish you had known before you start like at the beginning of your career and what advice would you give somebody that's starting off? Well, I go back to something I said before, which is mentorship and coaching. If anybody, at all is uh, interested in or attracted to the idea of, men of uh, entrepreneurship, I think it's critical that uh, you have a coach and or, men and or a mentor who can guide you along the way. And it's not just to have a, uh, a mentor in, uh, you know, from a professional perspective, but also from a personal pers perspective. So I've worked with, with, with coaches where uh, they've helped me with both, both the personal and the professional, because on the personal side, um, 
a lot of it is overcoming the fears or facing the fears that we all have about failure. And with the coaches also that I've worked with, it's also about addressing uh, the obstacles that, that we all face that hit us in the face sometimes unexpectedly and how we deal with those, because I don't think many of us are prepared for that on our own, but with it, with the right mentors and the right coaches, you know, I've learned that, um, I've learned that there are ways to deal with those obstacles that are effective ways of dealing with those obstacles. And they also helped me face some of the uh, risks that I knew I was taking and the fear of failure. So I, you know, I, I I'll always go back to uh, the mentorship and the coaching being critical because none of us works in an environment by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We all need people around us that support us. And the other thing is that when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur, it's like, all right, so where am I going to get my clients from? Or depending on the business, it could be customers from if you're in, say, a retail or online business, where am I going to get my customers from? Uh, in my case, it's clients because I'm in a professional environment. Uh, but it's the same, same kind of thing. These are the people that engage you through your services or engage you to buy your product. And you have to prove to them that there's a reason why they want to come to you and stay with you. It's one of the, you know, one of the reasons I, I, I always look at, like if I'm buying something online or not even online, something I buy in a store or the doctor I go to, I always get a survey, ask me what my experience has been like. And I think those surveys, I don't always answer them, but I try to answer them because I think the information that people provide in those surveys is useful to the person who is the entrepreneur who's selling those services or that product. Um, and I don't know if I've answered your question. I think I've gone around it a little bit in, in a circle, but if I haven't, please ask me again. But I know, like, totally. The main theme I'm getting is coaching. You need a mentor. Absolutely. I, I highly, highly advise and encourage people you know, invest whatever money it takes to do that because it'll, it'll, it'll get you through so many, so many obstacles and hurdles and fears that you never thought you might have. No, totally. So Michael, you know, they say that America is the land of free and the place where dreams are made. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I agree up to a point because I think there are many countries that have um, that are lands of free and opportunities. America has always been a country, at least in my growing up experience, that um, had the most opportunity, the most, uh, you know, the most opportunity for entrepreneurship and success. Uh, I think it, it's always been a, a place where people have flocked to from the rest of the world. Uh, but I also think there are other countries in the world, in you know, Western Europe and others that have similar kinds of appeal. I, I'm not saying America's got a hold on that, but it's certainly been the, uh, for a long time, that, that country that had, was the light on the hill when it comes to all of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know for me, like when I first came here, I did see America as the light of the hill. Like I went to New York City and I saw the Statue of Liberty and I, Liberty, I was like, man, it's freedom. And uh, I mean, one of the reasons for me doing this show is because like I noticed that most Americans are not free on the financial front and only to financial education, entrepreneurship, can they get the means to attain that? Yes, I agree with you 100%. And by the way, I live in New York. And so every time I see the Statue of Liberty or every time I see the Empire State Building, the Empire, I can see the Empire State Building from my neighborhood where I live almost every day. I'm in awe of the fact that, that we have the people have the wherewithal to build that. And it's still an iconic uh, site, not just for Americans, but for people that come here, whether they come here to live or to visit. And the same with the Statue of Liberty. And I was here on 9-11. I was here when 9-11 happened. And it was uh, emotionally devastating for many of us. But um, I'm also encouraged by the way in which we have rebuilt. And we now have the new World Trade Center. You know, and the spirit that exists in this country for people to do that, to recover from that and rebuild is just phenomenal and awe-inspiring. I mean, it's the same thing that happens in business, right? Like, go, like you take setbacks, but then you come back always. You never take no for an answer. You keep going and pushing forward. So, yeah, that's something that has always like inspired the entire, that entire concept of rebounding, no matter what happens. I agree. So, you know, according to you, what do you think is like the biggest challenge, like biggest hurdle or challenge that Americans are facing when it comes to realizing the American dream? And what do you think they need to do to overcome it? Well, you know, we're all uh, in a period of uncertainty economically and politically right now. And I think I too feel in some sense that the United States has, um, you know, we're, we're, we're on a sea of uncertainty where we don't know what the direction of the country is. You know, whether it be politically or economically or both. I mean, I think they're, they're, those two are tied together. And the one thing I would say that inspires me and keeps me going despite all of that is I know, I know in my heart of hearts and working with the coaches that I work with, I work with one in particular right now, but uh, is that. It doesn't, you know, those things, you can let them be obstacles and let them, you know, and step back and say, well, I can't do anything because of the political environment or the economic environment or some combination thereof. But there are also a lot of things that we can do. And I think we have to not focus so much on the negative. Let's focus on the positive and see what are the possibilities and what are the opportunities. And the opportunities are there. They're always there. They always have been there and they will always be there. So I, I know I'm talking in general here, but you know, no, it's making sense. In my case, there are a lot of very specific uh, issues that I'm dealing with with respect to those opportunities and I'm pursuing them no matter what is coming on politically and economically. And I know in my heart of hearts that as long as I stick with it and I long, as long as I keep pursuing those goals, I'm going to reach them. I mean, it may not happen today, 
or tomorrow, but it's going to happen and, and not in the, in the not too distant future. So, yeah, I think people need to, um, if there was one piece of advice I would give anybody is don't focus on the negative. Don't focus on, you know, stop reading the news <laughs> no, because, because the news is terrible. I mean, you read the, and I read the news and I look at it and I say, my God, this is depressing. Stop reading the news and, and, and start focusing on all of the possibilities and the opportunities. Michael, it's really interesting that you said that because I've done a few interviews before this and all of the people I've interviewed had the same thing, you know, like where like you have to focus on the positive and the opportunities. Don't look at the news because news is all about fear mongering and profiting of fear mongering. And so it's like all, all people that are entrepreneurs, like they tend, they tend to have this theme of understanding of the way to look at the world, you know? Yes, indeed. You know, look, news organizations, whether they're online or on TV or whatever, they, they're, first of all, they're all, all owned by large corporations. So there is no, there's no independent news anymore. Okay. As far as I'm concerned. And the other thing is that they profit off sensationalism and sensationalism comes from bad news. So it's, so it's this war, the war in the Ukraine, which is awful. And there's no taking away from that. There's the war in the Ukraine. There's this war in that part of the country. There's floods. There's weather-related things, climate changes. All those things, you know, are, are awful, terrible things. But that's what the news is all about. There's ne it's almost, almost never to hear a news report about something great that's happened. And I know that. Positivity is boring, isn't it? I know that there are a lot of great things that are happening. I just know it. And yeah, you're right. Positivity is boring. No one wants to hear it. They want to hear about the disasters. They, <laughs> they want to hear disasters, floods, people dying, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what, that's what the news organizations feed into. And I think that people need to stop paying so much attention to the news. No, I totally agree. It's the one common theme that entrepreneurial people have. Like they have a tendency to just look at the positive. They're looking for opportunities yeah. and they have an understanding of how the profit machine works, you know? So I agree. So Michael, from your perspective, what, what is, what is your viewpoint on inflation and debt? Like, you know, right now there's a lot of inflation going on in the country, right? Especially gas prices and everything. And also a lot of. Americans are suffering from consumer debt, but entrepreneurs look at debt a certain way when it comes to business. So what is your points of that? On entrepreneurship versus, uh, versus debt or individuals versus debt? Just like your entire like understanding of debt. Well, you know, debt, I never think of debt as being a bad thing. Okay. Um, we all, you know, we all, as individuals, most of us anyway, have debt. We have a house or a place that, or a condo or whatever that we own. Most of us have a mortgage. Uh, I think what debt, you know, that's just one thing. I, I'm not an advocate of people acquiring a lot of credit card debt or consumer debt because the rates are way too high and it's just, it's devastating to a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, debt by itself is not a bad thing, whether it's, mortgage debt for a place to live or business debt for either acquiring business or growing a business, because I think debt can be very, very useful and helpful for a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, inflation is another animal altogether. 
<laughs> so inflation, I think, is hurting. It's hurting a lot of people right now. People are struggling, figuring out, you know, they're cutting back on certain aspects of consumerism and focusing more. A lot of people, based on, at least based on what I read in the news, that people are um, focusing a lot more on the essentials, making sure that they're, they're um, you know, the utilities are paid towards food, clothing, their education, if they have families and kids and, and you know, so on and so forth. So inflation, I think, is an issue that is with us right now uh, that is hurting a lot of people. But I also don't believe that long term, that inflation is going to stay with us. I think that's an issue that is going to be resolved somehow, whether it's through actions of the Fed or, or what have you. But look, we went through a very, very long period, very long period, one of the longest in history of almost no inflation, in fact, zero inflation, okay? And very low interest rates. And people were living high on the hog. And, and that's great, except for the fact that nothing lasts forever. This is a cycle. We're going through a cycle. Just like, you know, I, I'm not a professional economist, even though my undergraduate degree is economics and sociology, but I'm not an, a, a professional economist, but we're going through a cycle. We always go through these cycles of no inflation or low inflation and high inflation that goes back to low inflation. And the same is true with uh, taxes and with everything else. We go through all of these different economic cycles right now, you know, after having gone through such a long period of virtually no inflation to the inflation that we have today, it, it's a shock to a lot of people to go from paying, uh, depending on what part of the country you're in, from paying two or $2 or $2.50 a gallon for gas to four to $5 a gallon for gas and in California over six. Uh, it's a wow. It's a shock. It's a shock to a lot of people. I mean, we felt, I have felt it, but at the same time, I don't, I haven't, and I don't, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate that I haven't had to adjust my lifestyle all that much. But I think a lot of people have had to. And I think that that's okay. Adjust your lifestyle to what you can afford right now. But this goes back to something you mentioned before, which is that if you have any inkling about being an entrepreneur, I think now's the time to do it. Now's the time to act on it and to start gelling your ideas, you know, find a mentor, find a coach and, and, uh, and start putting your plans together. Because when you do that, as I am an entrepreneur, I've been fortunate where I haven't had to react that much to the vagaries of inflation and, 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 and gas prices and all that kind of stuff. Thankfully, not on wood, but you know, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And I think that it, it all goes back to how we started this conversation about entrepreneurship. And I think I encourage people if they have any inkling at all, now's the time to really start thinking about how are you going to be an entrepreneur? What you're going to be doing as an entrepreneur and not be subjected to the vagaries of the inf inflation and economic uh, downturns. No, I totally agree. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's all about freedom on, on financially, right? Like if you're going to have inflation, they're going to reduce your purchasing power. 
you have to find a way to be free. Like I always tell anybody that would listen, like invest in precious metals right now, like gold and silver, it'll protect the purchasing power. But at the, at the end of the day, it's about that entrepreneurial spirit because we are Americans. We have to think in terms of freedom. And right now, like we cannot control the inflation that's happening, but we can adapt and see what to do, you know? So, indeed. You know, I, you don't know this about me yet, but I'm also the CFO of a private equity firm and we own precious metal mines in Colorado. Really? Yeah. So, we, you know, the mines are gold, silver, platinum, copper, et cetera. And um, that's my hedge. That's my hedge right there. You know? That is that is incredible. Yes, uh, I like I personally believe that you have to like either the right cryptocurrencies, but I don't know as much about cryptos. But I know for a fact that gold and silver can protect your purchasing power in the long term. And I would advise everybody, the audience, to do so because because fiat money it's just going to inflate away. You know, it's and there's not been a single fiat currency that has survived all throughout history, and they always go back to sound money such as gold, silver. But since cryptocurrencies have come in. We do not know what the future might be, you know? I, I think the only, the only real issue with crypto is that a lot of people, number one, don't understand it. And I don't fully understand it. I have a minor investments in that, but I don't fully understand it. But, um, you know, that, that, that's another form of currency slash investment that uh, I think people need to take a really hard look at. And right now, you know, the cryptocurrencies have been beaten down significantly. And it may be a time to be looking at those as a place for people to put some money in. No, totally. I'm, I'm not suggesting that people do. I'm not making that recommendation because I'm not qualified to do that. Just something to think about. No, yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're having uh, some amount of money in your savings account and the money's getting inflated away over a period of time, it's eating at your savings. Like you'll be able to only get fewer and fewer goods and services. Like, you know, like since the 1980s, 99s, the same amount, you could take a $20 bill, but now you take a $20 bill, how much groceries can you buy? So, yeah, I, I agree with you on this, this, this front. Your inflation's at 9% and you're getting 1% on your savings account. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, Michael, you know, in the last few years, there's been a deterioration in uh, not just the financial sector in America, but also when it comes to the family and government. Where do you think America is headed and should we be optimistic about the future or not? God, I wish I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> if I did, I'd be a very wealthy man. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think in some ways we're heading in the right direction with respect to respecting people from different backgrounds and uh, economic strata and um, belief systems and orientations and whatnot. I think we're hopefully heading in the right direction with all of that. I think that, you know, when I look at other cultures, so for example, uh, I bought a place in Spain and I'm looking at um, what the family structure there is like, and the family structure there is very, very, very strong, you know, where, Families are everything. Multi-generational families are everything. I don't think we've, we have that in this country. I don't know that we've had it for a very long time, uh, at least that I can recall. And I've been, been around for a long time. Uh, but I don't think we have that. But I think that um, that, that we need to, uh, you know, find 
what our values are and what our core morals are. And that is not religion-based to me. It is not because I'm, I, I'm not going to ever propose that, but it's just that we need to look at what matters to us and what are the values that we have, not just as blood families, but as, you know, circles of people who love each other and take care of one another. I feel like on a national level, there's been a deterioration in terms of morality altogether. And, uh, and yeah, I, I see what, I see what you're saying. Yeah. We, we need to prioritize that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know what that, what that means different things to different people. It does. It just means different things to different people. So I'm not one to pontificate on that. No, yet. I know. Um, so, uh, I know that you've been investing in films and uh, like, you know, you're like, you're an investor when it comes to live shows and film projects. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about this premise of how you got started to like what some of the films that you're, that you're investing in? Uh, I've invested more in lives like performances when I haven't shown, like investing a little bit of film. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I've been bought, I, I started, uh, when I started investing in any of these kinds of projects, they were, uh, initially they were Broadway shows. Okay. And I, I happen to love the Broadway theater and the off-Broadway theater and the off-off-Broadway theater. And I was lucky enough to meet a few people who are producers uh in that in that realm and they invited me if i were interested which i was to invest in some of their projects and unlike in um decades past there isn't a single production that is done on broadway now that is done by one producer because the cost of uh, of staging the show right now on broadway is so huge I was, I was actually thinking about that because Broadway is right at the epicenter of everything, you know? But, but the cost of producing a show on Broadway is so huge that what happens, you get this group of a conglomeration of a number of different producers that band together and then they put their money in, but then they also are responsible for going out and raising money from investors. So I have been an investor on a couple of Broadway shows. I've invested in some oil stuff. And then I invested in touring companies of what were Broadway shows. And I invested in a, uh, a show in Las Vegas, which is, was never on Broadway, which is actually a magic show. And that, that's actually given me my best return. <laughs> one of the things, you know, it, it, it was a hard lesson to learn it at one point because Generally speaking, Broadway shows, unless you hit on a real big, huge success like the Book of Mormon or Mamma Mia or... I saw the Book of Mormon, by the way. I went to Broadway to see that. It was so interesting. It's hilarious. It's wonderful. I mean, I didn't know what Mormonism was. And then like I went to that. That that was like kind of like my education about it to a certain extent. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to get in on a show like that at the beginning, which I was not, um, then, you know, you're, you're going ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. The cash register just keeps opening up and money keeps pouring in. It's great. But, the, but for the most part, most Broadway shows, even if they're critically successful, it's very, very hard to get a return on your money on those. Most of them don't even 
recoup their original investment. What I have found is that touring companies do much better because their capitalization is a lot lower than a Broadway show is. And the other thing is a show like the magic show I, I'm doing in Vegas, which I'm, I'm not doing it, but I'm an investor of it. It, because it has such a huge appeal to people who go to Vegas, it's, it's doing well. And so every so often I get money pouring into my bank account, you know, it's wired into my account without anybody even telling me all of a sudden it shows up. And I love that. That's really great. Um, years ago, I invested in a film development project. And the reason I invested in the person I knew who was involved in that project asked me if I would be interested in developing it. And I said, sure. And so I put some money into that and it had a big name star associated with it. And I thought, well, if he's, if he's associated with this, probably going to do well. And it didn't, but I still invested in it. And it's, you know, it, it, it's one of those, it, it's a learning, there's a learning curve in all of this. I'm currently uh, invested in a show where I will be an executive producer and potentially get a walk-on role in a, um, in a film that is currently in development, still being written. And so I don't want to say too much more about it right now, but, you know, even if, even if it doesn't make money, it increases my leverage as someone who is a, is a film investor and an executive producer. So I do these things now more strategically than I used to. It used to be that if something looked interesting to me or I liked it, I would put money into it. Now I don't do that. Because I now I'm much more strategic about how I deploy my investments in the entertainment world. Nice. Yeah. So, Michael, is there any other work which that you would, uh, that you're doing right now that you'd like the audience to get a glimpse into? Well, you know, I do a lot of international work where I work with people over from from various different parts of the world, actually, on every continent with the exception of. Antarctica that are doing, <laughs> there's not I mean, there's a lot of people at Antarctica. <laughs> it's a good place to be an entrepreneur, right? And, and penguins are not entrepreneurs. Like <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, but anyway, so you know, I, I, I you know, it, it was a niche that I found myself in where, you know, people are uh, from various different countries are looking to set up a business in the United States and do do business in the United States. And so I help them do that. And I help them with all their US-based accounting and tax services here within the borders of the United States, okay? And so that's kind of been become a niche of mine where I work with people literally from all over the world to do that. Um, and um, so there's that. And then I have a number of clients of mine who were U.S. expats that have left the United States and moved to other countries, working with them with their accountants overseas because we need to do both. They need to do both. So they have an accountant in their country and then on their accountant in the U.S. Okay, so that's kind of, you know, a nice, nice little niche of mine. The other thing I do is I, um, back on the entertainment side, I do something called business management services for people in the entertainment and sports industries. And essentially what that is, is like a family office where you basically handle all their financial affairs. Many of those people either don't have the knowledge to do it themselves or are not are willing to do it themselves or just too busy to do it themselves. So they hire people like me 
It's called business management. And uh, we manage all of their financial affairs for them. Everything from the day-to-day cash management, bill payment to, uh, you know, more sophisticated trust and estate and income tax planning and overall financial planning. That's awesome. So, Michael, where can our audience go to connect with you and also get to know more about you and the work that you're doing? Well, they can go to my website, which is www.michaelmarkowitz.net. And Markowitz is spelled M-A-R-K-I-E-W-I-C as in cat, Z as in zebra. They can do that. Uh, I have a, uh, a media kit, which they can go to. And you have that. So I don't know if, if you want to share that or you would like me to share it. Uh, yeah, you can share it if you'd like. Okay, hang on. Let me bring it up so I'll, I'll know what it is. It's, uh, so it's www.michaelmarkowitzmedia.com. So those are two really good places, I would say, that you know, people could find out more about me. Awesome. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you coming to this show. Uh, I would like you to know that you're amazing. You have like the entrepreneurial spirit and the innovative spirit. And this is exactly what an extraordinary America is about. And that's what extraordinary Americans have to do, you know, in order to turn everything around in their personal lives and also on a national level. And well, yeah, I'm flattered. I'm very flattered that you say that. No, I mean, all, it's all about the mindset and the thoughts and actions, right? And so we would love to have you back at the show at some future point. I would love to be back on your show. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I want to conclude this show by saying, telling my fellow extraordinary Americans that, hey, look, there's an extraordinary within each and every one of us. And it's our duty to empower and unleash them. Um, un- until next time, bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for watching Extraordinary America. If you like what you see, please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. Remember that the best investment that you can make in your lifetime is in your own financial education, for it is knowledge that truly sets you free. Also remember that uh, your purchasing power is being diluted through inflation, and then the practical thing to do is to protect the loss of your purchasing power by investing in precious metals or the right cryptocurrencies. Also, never forget that you are an extraordinary American. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.